Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Two Hearts Prayer Group podcast. Um, I'm Jessica Vollmer. I am the one who <laughs> helps the prayer group come out with this podcast. I just wanted to come out with a little um, like introduction to this episode for the Life in the Spirit seminar. Our talk is God is Love, given by Father Corey, our priest um, here in Barriga County. Um, and... Our witness is given by Dulce Block, one of our previous <laughs> prayer group members. I'm sorry. I have my dog and my mom's dog in the background, and they're playing right now. So if you can hear noise, that is what's going on. Um, but anyways, <laughs> they're freaking out. I'm sorry. Okay, anyways. Um, so then our talk is given by, or our witness is given by Dulce Block, and she was a previous member of our prayer group. She was part of the music ministry. Um, and she's now moved uh, a couple towns away that's like an hour and a half away from where we are. So she doesn't attend the prayer group anymore, but we asked her to come back and give her witness because it is a super powerful witness. And I really encourage you to listen all the way through because it, the Holy Spirit was moving. It was so powerful. Um, and please, if you feel moved by this, please share it with a friend and please share it on social media. And um, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow our podcast as well. Um, I hope you enjoy. God bless. Well, welcome, everyone. And I should, I should say welcome to myself here. Um, basically, every Monday of uh, the month is, is filled up with different things for on my schedule. Um, so I had to change things around to be here, but I'm so happy you know, that, um, to, to have done so. Um, I was asked to give uh, the God is Love talk. And um, the love of God is first revealed to us. God is love. We know that from First John chapter 4, right? God is love. And notice that it doesn't say God loves. God is love. In other words, love flows out of him because it is who he is. He made us out of sheer love. He doesn't need us. We depend for every moment, um, every breath we breathe, we rely on him. And yet, Scripture reveals that he made all of creation for us, to help us to know, to love, and to serve him in this world, to be in heaven with him forever. Romans 8, St. Paul says, all creatures are groaning for the redemption of the sons of men. In other words, all of creation, St. Paul is saying, is cheering us on, saying, be saints, <laughs> be saints, be saints. You see, this... Uh, microphone doesn't have free will so it can only do what uh, it's made to do right and so in that sense because it's being the best microphone that it could possibly be it's a saint right <laughs> the only ones that aren't saints here are you and me <laughs> these pews you know are, are the perfect pews you know they can't rebel against God's will just by being, they're doing God's will. They're, you see that? And all, so all of creation is calling us to be saints. The only reason for creation is for us 
You know, sometimes, you know, we get excited about, like, astronomy, and I, 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 I can get excited about that myself, and, and these, these uh, planets that are, you know, trillions and trillions of miles away. Well, that planet, I mean, it dwarfs our solar, you know, the, that galaxy dwarfs our galaxy, especially our solar system. And yet I know by faith that God put that planet there trillions and trillions of miles away, light, light years away, because he wants me to be in heaven with him forever. Somehow that planet interacts with all these other planets to cause gravity and so that the sun is just as near to us so that there's life and that the moon is not too far away or we'd all be drowned or, you know, it's all working together. Why? In God's plan that we might know and love and serve him and, and, and to be saints. And of course, God could have just given us creation and we could have known him. Actually, in Romans chapter 1, St. Paul says, you know, the, the Greeks, the, the Gentiles, the, the pagans, um, who God never spoke to in, in Revelation, they should have known better and so they're guilty of sin. Because they had creation. They could have seen creation and glorified God, right? Plato and Aristotle, who lived in the 300s BC, they came into the knowledge that there's one God. You don't need um, divine revelation from the scriptures to know that there's one God. God gave us a reason, and with our reason, we can come to know that. And yet, this one God, this is so awesome, wanted to us to, to speak with him. He wanted us to know his mind. And so he did reveal himself in scriptures. He wanted you and me to know what he's thinking. Isn't that amazing when you think about that? Why? Because he wants, he loves me so much. He loves you. And of course, when he'd fallen into sin, God, soul of the world, take out the word world there and say, God, soul of Father Corey, Joe, everyone, joy. <laughs> this is amazing here. We have Filipinos and we have Peruvians and Joe is saying that there's people from France watching, bonsoir. <laughs> this is an international life in the spirit somewhere. This is awesome. But, <laughs> but anyways, you know, God wanted each of us to know him. And when God so loved the world, each one of us, he gave his only son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Who, as man, as, as Deacon Brandon gave in his awesome sermons this past weekend, as man was able to die for us, but as God had the power that by that death as a human, could save us all. But as he hung on the cross, he's truly God and he's truly man. And as, as God, he's not bound by space and time. And so he says, I will this. I will these flagellations. I will these crowning of thorns. I will this blasphemies. I will this uh, spitting. For Father Corey, so that he can get to be in heaven with me forever. 
for David Mill, for Doza, <laughs> and for Ruth, for Jody, for all of us. He says, I will that for them. And I say, well, how would he have done that? I wasn't around 2,000 years. God is not bound by time. And we Catholics believe that before he um, offered that once-for-all sacrifice, he gave himself in the Holy Eucharist so we could participate in that once-for-all sacrifice until he comes again in glory. You know, St. Alphonsus Liguori, one of my favorite saints, one of Bishop Berga's favorite saints, said, Jesus in the Eucharist, he gives himself to us in such a way that we could cause him sacrilege. He makes himself so vulnerable in the Holy Eucharist. Woundable, that's what vulnerable means. It comes from the Latin word vulnus, woundable. Able to be wounded in the Holy Eucharist. Why? Out of sheer love for us. Our Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary and showed her his sacred heart and says, my sacred heart is beating in the Holy Eucharist. And you know, it's, it's, it's really daily meditating, thinking deeply, in other words, um, on these truths that fuels our love for God. The more that we think deeply, I love the way that the, the monks talked about it. They talked about it as like a cow um, chewing its cud. So in other words, it chews the grass, then kind of spits it up, and then it chews it again. <laughs> and as we, as we do this, meditate on it, just chew and chew and chew with our heart, with our emotions, our, our mind, it fuels our love for God. St. John, again, in 1 John says, it wasn't us who loved God, but God loved us first. So all of our love for God is response to him. And the way we connect to that, of course, is not we not just meditate and think about these truths, but we pray. Prayer um, is heart speaking to heart. Corad cor loquitur, as uh, the Latin says. And also receiving his love in the sacraments. St. Um, Alphonsus again says, you know, if there's any reason for the angels to be uh, jealous of men, by which he meant men and women, of course, um, it's because they can receive the Holy Eucharist. But what does this love look like in day-to-day -day life? I, um, as I was preparing for this, I thought of this passage that I had read from uh, St. Therese of Lisieux. Uh, there's a, a statue of St. Therese in the back left of our church. She um, was 24 years old when she died. She died a Carmelite nun, 
Um, she died of terrible tuberculosis. She entered the convent when she was 15, died when she was 24. She's, a, she's been declared by the Pope, St. John Paul II, a doctor of the church, which means that her writings you know, are valid for, for all countries, all times, you know? You're not just talking about a local situation, in other words. It's, it's, it's powerful stuff. And, what, and here's the thing that St. Therese realized, is that if we have a desire to serve God, that we didn't whip into, whip into you know, um, shape, you know, and by our emotions. But if God plants a desire on our souls, he's going to fulfill that desire. You know? If God's really put it, on our souls, and that's where discernment comes in to know, to see, is it from God, is it from ourselves, is it maybe from the evil one, right? But St. Ignatius of Loyola, in his rules for discernment, said that if you didn't ask for this, and if you're not, um, and if, if it isn't the cause of, you know, thinking about these things, and it's just put on your heart, then there's a pretty good chance that it's from God. Well, here's the thing. St. Therese had a, a desire. She talks about this in her autobiography called the Histoire d'une um, Story of a Soul. About wanting to be a great apostle. About wanting to be a great martyr. You know, to shed her blood for the faith, in other words. To, um, to want to become a, a great preacher. And yet she's in this Carmelite convent and can't leave <laughs> the premises because <laughs> she's in enclosure. In is Catholic France, so she, how, is, how is it going to be possible for her to suffer a martyrdom? And so... Here's what she wrote in her story of a soul. Since my longing for martyrdom was powerful and unsettling, I turned to the epistles of St. Paul in the hope of finally finding an answer. By chance, the 12th and 13th chapters of the first epistle to the Corinthians caught my attention. And in the first section, I read that not everyone can be an apostle, prophet, or teacher that the church is composed of a variety of members and that the eye cannot be the hand. Even with such an answer revealed before me, though, I was not satisfied and did not find peace. I persevered in the reading and did not let my mind wander until I found this encouraging theme. Set your desires on the greater gifts and I will show you the way which surpasses all others. For the apostle insists that the greater gifts are nothing at all without love, and that this same love is surely the best path leading directly to God. At length, I had found peace of mind. When I looked upon the mystical body of the church, I recognized myself in none of the members which St. Paul described. And what is more, I desired to distinguish myself more favorably within the whole body. 
Now, you and I might th- look at that and say, well, that's prideful. No. The Lord put that in her heart. And his, you know what's funny, too, is like, she, like I said, she wanted to be a, a martyr. She wanted to be a, 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 a great apostle, a great preacher. And yet, on the other hand, she also says, I'm too weak to do any of these things. <laughs> she says, whenever I read the, the lives of these great martyrs, these great apostles that go through all these sufferings, she said, it repulses me. That's how you knew it wasn't from her, you know? <laughs> because it just repulsed her. It's like, I can't do that, I'm too weak. <laughs> she says, love appeared to be the hinge of, for my vocation. Indeed, I knew that the church had a body composed of various members, but in this body, the necessary and more noble member was not lacking. I knew that the church had a heart and that such a heart appeared to be aflame with love. And I knew that one love drove the members of the church to action, that if this love were extinguished, the apostles would have proclaimed the gospel no longer. The martyrs would have shed their blood no more. I saw and realized that love sets off the bounds of all vocations, that love is everything, that this same love embraces every time and every place in one word that love is everlasting. Then nearly ecstatic with the supreme joy in my soul, I proclaimed, O Jesus, my love, at last I have found my calling. My call is to love. Certainly I have found my place in the church, and you gave me that very place, my God. In the heart of the church, my mother, I will be love, and thus I will be all things, as my desire finds its direction. And so she realized that the way to be a great apostle, the way to be what God was calling her to be, a martyr, was to do all the things assigned to her in the convent with great love. And you see, we look at the problems in the church today and look at the problems in the world today. And I'm very much reminded of St. Pope Pius V, who was the Pope during the later part of the 1500s when the church was reforming big time. And lots of great saints like St. Vincent de Paul and St. Francis de Sales were popping up. And he, he made a point, at, and he said, all the problems in the church and the world come from lukewarm Catholics. Catholics who are not on fire with the love of God. Amen. And I would say that's the same thing today. I mean, you can read story after story after story, but at the heart of it, it's not what they're talking about in the stories. It's not because, you know, some bishop refuses to, out of cowardice, to... Um, discipline a priest who needs to be disciplined. It's not because a, um, you know, parents aren't disciplining their children when they shouldn't be disciplined. Those aren't the problem. That's not the heart of the problem. The heart of the problem is the bishops and the priests 
and the deacons and the lay faithful are lukewarm. <laughs> and we care more about comfort than we care about our Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's, that's really it, isn't it? I know that's challenging. <laughs> but what is, what is a, a saint? When the church canonizes a saint, it doesn't canonize somebody because they've done miracles or because they, um, you know, they gave in beautiful prophecies and all this. Some, a saint is somebody who's lived and died in heroic faith, hope, and charity. In other words, we're called to be like these stained glass windows. The light comes from outside of us. The love of God comes into us, and then we let that shine out to others. But how does that, what does that look like in practice? Well, I'll tell you what, what it looked like in practice for St. Therese of Lisieux. I see I have three minutes left, so that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, when she realized this, she realized that she, one of the things that she had to do in the convent was the dishes. She realized that every dish that she scrubbed, she could offer this for the love of God. And she could strive, and she could do it with heroic faith, hope, and charity. She would wash the, um, she would wash the, um, the, the floor in the convent. And some of the other sisters were complaining like this, because some of them came from wealthy families, and they're like, you know, and she did too, actually. She came from a very bourgeois French family, and um, they, they said, you know, this, this, I'm above this work. So Therese's like, no, putting my heart in this, I'm offering it to God. And that's how she became a, a great saint. There's a, a great story about this, um, about this nun. I've told this in church before about this nun who uh, was just so difficult. She was in a wheelchair and she, she was, could never be pleased. And she just irked Therese to no end. And um, Therese talked about this in her, in her story of a soul. Um, just like, Lord, and, and she, it's all a prayer. She's like, Lord, give me the patience because I have to, you know, um, take care of this nun. And she had to do it day after day after day. And, um, but she, what she did is she, re, she resolved to smile whenever she saw the sister. And our Lord says, whatever you do to the least of these, you do for me. And so she's like, he, this is the least of these. I'm doing this for our Lord. I'm going to do this out of, out of love. And after Therese died, this sister who drove everyone else nuts as well, she said, I don't know what it was about me, but there's something that just made her so smiley every time she saw me. <laughs> and then eventually she, she read Therese's story of a soul and she was converted. You know, I remember when I first heard that, it was from the rector at the seminary, and he said he knew of a, of a sister in a convent where they had assigned seating. And uh, so every day, this sister, who was a, a friend of his, um, was in an enclosed convent like that, couldn't, you know, didn't leave, um, but she had to be sit seated next to this, um, this other nun. And this other nun would pass gas at morning prayer every day 
And you might think that's funny, but she was like in her 30s. And this nun had to look forward to doing this every day of her life until she died. (laughs) Talk about heroic faith, hope, and charity, huh? (laughs) It's true. What does it look like for you and me? Well, kind of the same thing, doesn't it? What do we do when, like, we're interrupted? Like, for example, this, um, this morning when I got up, I thought I knew what my week looked like. Um, this Friday, I have a Knights of Columbus meeting in, in Lansing in the early afternoon. And, um, and as the diocesan chaplain of the Knights of Columbus, I have to be there. And Bishop, under obedience to Bishop Durfler, I have to be there. Well, I had to pivot today because um, these people are going to be in town and the only time they can have a funeral is um, Saturday morning at 11. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I was going to get up at 6 in the morning on Saturday morning, drive back here for the, four, you know, for the 2.30 confessions and 4 o'clock mass. That can't work anymore. So what I have to do is I have to drive to Lansing on Friday morning and then drive home to St. Ignace after a four-hour meeting in Lansing, get home about midnight, get up at about six and drive here for an 11 o'clock. And I could have been complaining about that. And yet I I thought of St. Therese. I'll tell you one more story about, you know, um, and, and so I, I just said, okay, Lord, this is not what I would prefer, but this is your will, you know. And holiness consists of doing your will with heroic faith, hope, and charity. So, Lord, I don't feel like that right now, but that's not the point. Give me heroic faith, hope, and charity to do your will in this, in this area. Another thing, I don't know if you know this, but Mother Teresa, who all, so many of us were in so much inspired by, she was born, her name was Agnes in Albania, um, just north of Greece. And um, when she joined the religious order of the Loreto sisters, they asked her, what would you like your name and religion to be? She says, Therese, Teresa, after St. Therese of Lisieux. And there's a story that one day she was visiting one of her convents in um, the United States, I think in New York, New York. And she went to, um, you know, she'd have having um, meetings with all the sisters. And, you know, she, of course, had, you know, 70 some convents around the country, uh, around the world. So she went in there and she went into the, the bathroom stall at one point. And she looked behind one of the toilets and saw that it was sparkly. And she said to the mother superior who was walking with her, she says, some sister really loves Jesus here. (laughs) We know that God loves us so much. Let's keep on daily. Our minds focus on that. Let's connect by prayer and sacraments to that love of God. But that's not enough. We need 
not to be lukewarm Catholics for the sake of our church, for the sake of the world, and which is our ultimate vocation, to be saints, filled with heroic faith, hope, and charity. Let's ask the Lord every day that we might do the little things that God gives us each and every day with great love, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, would you give us your blessing? Oh, most certainly. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father Corey, for that wonderful talk. The last time I heard that talk, um, the one that stood out to me was when you said, God continues to woo us. <laughs> and so um, part of my sharing would be from Jeremiah 31, verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love, so I am constant in my affection for you. So, good evening once again, brothers and sisters. You may be wondering what this uh, Asian lady is doing right in front of you. <laughs> well, it's God's love that brought me here. It's not always comfortable to discuss about my life in front of people, especially whom I just met. But when it's about God's love and how the life in the Spirit Seminar changed me, I'd have to say yes. And it's one way I could give glory and honor to the one who loved me and continuously loves me. So, you have heard I'm Dulce Block, born and raised in the Philippines. I am the fourth of five siblings of Mr. and Mrs. Jose Cruz. I wish I could say that I am a crazy rich Asian, but I'm not. <laughs> Growing up, I always hear my mother say, God will provide. She was a volunteer catechist, and my father was a construction worker in the Middle East. So we were always left with my mother, and she had to take care of all of us while juggling with her part-time jobs, selling food or whatever, and um, while doing the catechesis. We would only see our father probably once every three or five years or whenever... Um, his contractual job is over. So my mother would always make sure we go to Mass every Sunday, say our prayers, say our rosaries, join parish um, activities, choirs. So I grew up a cradle Catholic. I am forever grateful for the seed of faith that she has planted in our hearts. 
So I was invited to my first um, Life in the Spirit seminar back in 1992 when I was on my third year college. You can probably compute how old I am. But <laughs> my perspective of who God is completely changed from a distant God to having a deep personal relationship with Him. I remember I was always on the lookout for the next Life in the Spirit seminar in our area, whether it be in the campus or in our um, uh, hometown. And at one time, I remembered um, I invited or brought about 15 other college students to that um, Life in the Spirit seminar, and it was awesome. Um, we used to do it on a two-day weekend, not unlike what we do here, which is like one topic every week. Because of this seminar, I have grown deeply in my spiritual life and experienced a closely knit community life. Because starting 1992 up to present, I was actively involved in the charismatic, uh, charismatic renewal. Even though, um, like, even now with the pandemic, I was reconnected to uh, the community I was serving, like, for 16 plus years via Zoom <laughs> online. I was assigned uh, as one of the formation ministry head, um, so <laughs> so help me God. <laughs> so whenever I am, um, wherever I am, whether I am in a different town or country, I was always in search for a prayer meeting or a charismatic group. That's why three years after I've been living here in Lance, I found this community. Oh, there's a Life and Spirit seminar. I'm going to go, even though it's probably my 15th time or 20th time attending because I always find joy, you know, um, praising God, serving with other people. And I have witnessed so many changed lives, healings, and developed deep friendships being part of the charismatic group. But we all know that the closer we are to the Lord... The enemy works double time. And so I have my share of highs and lows, trials and triumphs, falling and getting back up again. So after I graduated from college, I started working. Three years of my career, I started getting busy. I worked as an executive assistant, and the demands of my work grew until I had to work overtime always. And so um, I started to think about... Me, 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 mixing work with um, good times, partying. I started satisfying myself rather than to please the Lord. I started making decisions that I thought was okay at the moment because I thought it felt good. I was looking for love in the wrong places, with the wrong people, and with the wrong reasons. I started to become selfish, thinking only of myself and not caring about hurting other people. Soon I started covering up lies after lies because I was doing something I shouldn't be doing and would bring shame to myself and to my family. I even bargained with God, telling him, Lord, I have been a good girl all this time. I have been serving, volunteering my time, talent, and treasure for five years. Please let me do this thing. Just one time, just, just this time. And I even said, I would die if I wouldn't be with this person and give him up. So my youngest sister, who introduced me to the um, charismatic renewal, along with my mother, actually, um, 
My youngest sister was working with me same time, and she learned about what was happening with my life. We were serving in the same community at that time, and unbeknownst to me, she was praying for me, praying the rosary every day for my reconversion. <laughs> During this time, as my guilt grew, I began to experience anxiety, no peace knowing clearly that I am not that I am doing something that is against God's will. That went on for a year until finally I prayed to God that I needed his help. You see, God will never impose himself on us. Father Corey mentioned about free will. His will is for us to have a renewed life, to restore us in our woundedness. So I begged him, Lord, I know this is not your will. I can do it on my own, so help me. Make a way. And God answered my prayers and my sister's prayers. I went to confession, turned away from what keeps me on sinning. Um, I got a new job. I was back on track with restoring my relationship with God. I felt peace once again. And um, in 2002, the company I was working for at that time had to shut down. I found out that they were doing something that was illegal. That's why they were shut down. And so when I was offered to work there again, with even higher salary, I said, nope, no way. <laughs> and so for five months, I was jobless. Not unlike here, you can get unemployment benefits in the Philippines if you have mother, father working, or brothers and sisters that can support you. Well, good. Back then, I was... Um, living on my meager savings. So I was unemployed for five months. Did I say five years or five months? <laughs> okay, five months. <laughs> my savings were depleting all this time. I was unemployed. I was volunteering my time in the community. And so we were working on a um, foundation because we saw the need um, for helping not just the spiritual needs of the community but also financially and with education, so I was tasked to do the paperwork for um, having a foundation. And so in 2002, uh, the Servants of Jesus Community Foundation was established and is still ongoing up until now and helping many children, um, scholarships, and all kinds of parish activities, formation program. And what's wonderful was probably a week after that got incorporated, paperwork done, I had this interview and I got a job. It was a very good job that I kept for 10 and a half years. It was the job I had before I came to the United States. So when God replaced, God, when, when I gave up something that I held so on, I thought was good for me, God had something better. So, cut the story short. Um, um, I love story probably for be another time, but <laughs> cut the story short. <laughs> I came to the United States, married the husband that God prepared for me. I didn't ask for much. I said, Lord, just give me a single man. <laughs> single man. Share the same faith, Catholic and have a good sense of humor. 
Oh boy, I got all those three. <laughs> and the best part is up until where we're on, we just had our eight years anniversary. And until now, he kept saying, I'm his best decision ever. Woohoo! <laughs> and so, um, because of God's love for me, I was able to give something that, you know, keeps me apart from him. And praise the Lord because through this community, my relationship with God grew. My love for the Eucharist grew. And I have new friends in the area. And not just, you know, the so-so friends, but friends who, whom you can call. I need help. I need prayers. And uh, the biggest thing that I got from the Life in the Spirit seminar was how I relate to God and the solace that I get, even if I'm having difficult um, problems or trials. Like my brother died in 2010, my father died 2019, my mother died last year. But it's his strength that gives me hope. And the greatest solace I got uh, from God three years ago Remember that sharing I said about somebody that I thought was the love of my life, but it wasn't. Well, three years ago, just before a Life in the Spirit seminar, I was asking the Lord, Lord, what area in my life is still is, needs healing? And so he revealed to me, well, remember that um, lady, I was dating her husband back then. Okay, Lord, what about her? You can reach out to her because I knew her and she knew me. Oh, Lord, that's hard. <laughs> I don't know where to start. But, well, I contacted our common friend in Cut this story short, I was able to contact her through Facebook Messenger. Said, hi, hello. I know it's been like, I don't know, 23 years. But I just want to say sorry. She said, I have forgiven you for a long time. And boy, oh boy, God's love, really. I felt God's love, God's redemption. God's resurrection, I felt like a new being. I didn't know that. After even these years, I was carrying the shame. <laughs> but God healed me completely. And we ended up praying for each other. And I know it's only God's love, God's mercy. The greater the sin, the greater the mercy. That's all I have to share for now.